All right, Harrison, we're going to have one of the bigger guests that you and I have ever had before. Please do not embarrass me with a question that you're asking specifically to get aggregated. I will do my best, but I don't know that I can control my lesser impulses. <laughs> this is no, no way this ends well. We're joined now by Mark Stein of the uh, New York Times. I, I cannot believe we actually get to have this conversation, Mark. Thank you very much for hopping on with us during probably the busiest time of your year. How are you holding up? Man, I'm never going to complain. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really astonished every year. I, I say this every year, and I repeat it every year. So the interest gets greater and greater and greater. And so uh, this is good news for all of us. So, yes, it's a lot of hours and, and a lot of work in air quotes. But uh, the fact that NBA free agency becomes a bigger deal with each passing year is something to celebrate. I, I completely agree. And it's one of the things that I really enjoy about your coverage is is you really seem to celebrate the game while you're covering it. I, 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 it, I, it always kind of annoys me when I see some coverage elsewhere or even when I notice it in myself that, you know, oh, gosh, I have to record another podcast about the Lakers today. It, no, we're, we're, we're pretty blessed and we get to cover this great game and, and the game keeps expanding. And, and yeah, it just keeps everybody interested to, to an insane degree. Uh, I, I guess we should just dive right in, though, and I want to start by asking you this. This is the most in the dark I have felt we have really ever been with the vast majority of free agents to be. Uh, it, do you get that same vibe as well, and, and why do you think that is, if that's the case? I'm hesitant probably to say the most we've ever been just because I'm getting older and my memory's not good and I forget. <laughs> Somebody reminds me, hey, idiot, what about 2016 or whatever the case may be? So I'm not going to go there. But, yes, look, the, the, re, the reality is at the top, you know, we've spent all season convinced Kawhi's going to the Clippers. Katie's going to the Knicks. You know, Katie and Kyrie are going to the Knicks together. You know, these things have been just considered fact for so long. But now, you know, what's today? Is today the 26th? Yes. June 26th, and we really don't know what Kevin Durant's going to do. Nobody wants to admit that. We don't really know what Kawhi Leonard is going to choose. We think, we feel pretty strong that Kyrie is going to end up a net. I think that, I think there would be a league consensus if we could pull 30 front offices. I think they would tell you Kyrie's going to be a net, and Clay's going to stay with the Warriors, and Middleton's going to stay with the Bucks. But among the top three agents, those are the only certainties. And you know, we have strong inklings that Kawhi is going to be a Clipper or a Raptor. I know the Lakers want to believe they're still in there, and the Lakers do believe they're still in there, and the Lakers have believed that since the regular season ended, so we'll see if they can prove the skeptics wrong. But you know, we, we, we don't know what Kawhi is going to decide. We don't know what KD is going to decide, and, and you know, there are – what if there's almost 200 free agents, I think, but <laughs> I think it's like 40% to... of the league or sit like it's some insane percentage of free agents this year. I mean, the party starts with those guys and until they choose, we're going to, you know, we're going to be on pins and needles. 
Why why do you think there is that stance among the Lakers that they believe that they're invested while the consensus is that it's a two-team race between the Clippers and the Raptors? So where do you think that yeah, you know, comes from? Because the Lakers are the only ones who've, who've said that they're a contender for Kawhi, and that's why. And And when I say, you know, the Lakers insist, the Lakers believe, other, I, I think I'm phrasing it that way because that's the vibe I get from other teams. I don't think teams around the league, again, if we could pull GMs and get their honest take, I think it would be pair, it would be painted as a Raptors or Clippers two team deal. But you know, again, the Lakers since the you know since the regular season ended long before they had the Davis trade completed in the midst of all the front office chaos. You would hear these rumbles, you know, of, you know, Laker confidence. We're going to be in there with Kawhi. We're a contender with Kawhi. LeBron is recruiting Kawhi. I and mean, you would hear these rumbles. And again, I have not independently confirmed them. And a big, a big issue here is Kawhi's camp is so buttoned up. I mean, there are very few people who have access to the inner sanctum of team Kawhi. And I freely admit I'm not one of them. So it's hard to know exactly what Kawhi thinks of the Lakers. We know he's a Southern Californian. We know he's had strong pangs to go home for a long time, but I guess the long winded way of saying the, the only people who have expressed confidence in the Lakers ability to get him are, are have something to do with the Lakers. Hmm. No. And I can confirm, like they've had confidence about this all season for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, but like, that's something that like they have, like that is something that like they have been expressing. Um, uh, and I just want to say, I appreciate that you're willing to admit like yeah. there are like too many people are just like not willing to just say like, I don't know. And I've always appreciated that you're willing to say that you don't know. So if you don't know on any of these follow-up questions, feel free to, uh, to say that as well. But I, I guess like, you know, this is a Lakers podcast. I think like if Lakers fans want a wide ranging, like look at free agency going into it, I actually would really recommend listening to Mark on the Bill Simmons podcast mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, but Mark, what else are you hearing about the Lakers? Like beyond the rumblings that they feel like they're like, they have a shot with Kawhi. Like what else are you hearing either from them or around the league of, you know, like their plans and free agency, all that stuff, like take this wherever you want. Well, look, the, the, the big question is how much cap space they're going to open up. You know, they've insisted and maintained that they can get to a max number if they need to. There's a variety of ways that, uh, you know, they would, uh, they're, they're going to have to make some moves to do that. It's, it's not the easiest salary cap gymnastics out there, but, you know, initially I heard a lot of Kemba Walker talk that has since cooled considerably. And now, you really just hear Celtics and Mavs at the front of the line for Kemba. You know, I know there's been the big drum beat this week about D'Angelo Russell. If the Nets end up <laughs> renouncing him in the event that the Nets get Kawhi, uh, get Kyrie, uh, you know, I've heard a rumble or two that don't be surprised if they make a run at Brogdon as a restricted free agent, maybe they would be a team that, that would be interested in him. I think it's going to take a really big offer sheet convince Milwaukee not to match because they obviously are very fond of Brogdon. Um, and that, and, and, you know, I think again, the, you know, look, every team's going to have plan B's and C's, you know, I, I live in Dallas and it's the same thing. You know, the Mavs are going after Kemba Walker and then if they don't get him, it becomes, 
you know, they go after Patrick Beverly and another sidekick with Beverly and split their money up. But the focus really, I think, league-wide in free agency right now is still on the top names because there are so many big ones out there. There are so many... You know, guy like, guys like Tobias Harris and Vucevic, we're not even talking about yeah, them yet because there's so much focus on KD and Kawhi and Kyrie and, and Kemba, Clay. I mean, there's just so many good free agents that, you know, the focus, I think, should stay on the big names until they all land. And then I, I think the good news for the Lakers is, you know, there's, there are going to be some bargains out there. I mean, just, you know, there's, even though there are, I think 14 teams with, with, with legit cap space, I mean, that money's going to get eaten up quick. And there's, as you know, as we've said, there's so many free agents available, there will be productive players to be had. So, you know, everyone's going to get disappointed if they're not getting one of the main guys, but I think you really need to stay tuned and see how the whole thing shakes out before you grade it. I agree. I, I want to quickly go back to the point of the Lakers opening cap space. Is there a reason from from what you're hearing and stuff? Are you hearing that the Lakers are having trouble opening up that cap space or are they waiting to find out whether or not they're going to be able to use that cap space before they move off of Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga and Jamario Jones? It really depends on who you listen to. Uh-huh. I mean, you can find people you can find people who will say the Lakers are stuck and they're, you know, they didn't, you know, they got caught off guard by this whole situation. You have people who will say, no, they knew all along what they were going to do. And, and this was an open discussion between the two teams and they're going to create the cap space. No issue. I mean, it, it, it really is a depend on who you want to believe situation, but uh, you know, my, my typical feel on these things I mean, I've been doing this a long time. When teams need to create cap space, they usually find a way. I mean, look at the Rockets right now. The Rockets have yeah. no cap And it's a much, much tougher path for them to get cap space. And they're, you know, I don't, I'm not saying they're getting Jimmy Butler, but they've, they've barged their way into the mix here. And, you know, if, if the Rockets can even entertain the notion of trying to do a sign-and-trade for Jimmy Butler – which is again so much more complex than what the Lakers are facing. The Lakers will the Lakers will create the cap space if they have to. They will find a way. Teams usually do. I was the Laker beat writer in '96 when didn't you know what creating cap space for Shaq didn't look easy, and they found a way. They teams with a will usually find a way. I just well, I was I was really quickly when you're opening up when the Lakers are opening up cap space. Is that an easier thing to do earlier on in the process, or as soon as they find out that they're going to get Kawhi Leonard? What's to stop another team from saying, "Well, no, why would we help you guys land Kawhi Leonard?" How does how does that kind of relationship? occur in in the NBA between teams that they probably don't want to see Kawhi and AD and LeBron all on the same team. I think that's the natural instinct we have on the outside but again more often than not you you can you there are enough assets thrown in that you convince the other team. I mean it, you know how many times did you hear that New Orleans would never ever ever yeah, ever right. trade him to I mean, thousands. First year, we heard the same thing. If the if the best deal for Kawhi Leonard would have come from the Lakers, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford would have swallowed their pride and they would have done it. I mean, they don't want it. Of course, the preference is is not to, but ultimately, you have to put your team's best interest 
above it all in the end. I want to go back to something that you said about like the Lakers cap space and talking about like how, you know, everyone in the league seems to have a different story or a different view of what they're doing. And like a big topic on like Lakers Twitter and among Lakers fans this week is just like where all of this stuff that's out in the media comes from, because I think that there is, there are a lot of people that like don't want to believe like what people are saying. And I, I was just curious, like, if you could go into just like, how do you weigh that stuff when you're getting these different conflicting people with different opinions, telling you different things about whether or not they can create cap space or whatever, or about free agent X's intention or whatever, how, how do you weigh that stuff? Because I do think that people are curious in that kind of thing. I think if you, you, you know, you kind of keep your own internal scorecard on a source's record. If a source tells you something that turns out to be false, I mean, then the next time you talk to that source, I mean, foremost in your mind should be that they were way wrong on whatever they just told you. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like there's this, you know, just this, you know, this, I don't know, movement's the wrong word, but there's this current, I guess, of you know, all these guys hate us, you know. Gee, they, God, it's so yeah. annoying. <laughs> I, I think reporters want to be right more than anything. They don't want to report things that are wrong. So, you know, what you're, you're, you know, you know, in this job, you're going to be lied to every day. And it's, it's incumbent on the reporter to, you know, run out every ground ball to, to get the right answer. I mean, that's what, that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, I think it's just natural. I mean, people look, it's a big reason, you know, one of the challenges, you know, in sports writing, you know, you're supposed to be neutral, totally neutral. And I feel blessed that, you know, my favorite NBA team was the Buffalo Braves who stopped playing in 78 and then became the Clippers. So I haven't had a favorite team in the NBA since the 70s. So for me, it's easy. I've never had an, I didn't grow up a Lakers fan or a Bulls fan or a Suns fan or whatever it is. For me, it was, was, I didn't have to shed any fandom, but I also still maintain a huge fandom in soccer. Obviously you guys know my collegiate allegiances mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I don't ever want to lose that feeling of being, a, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, same thing. You know, I don't want to lose that feeling of being a fan. Cause I get it. I know when you love your team, you know, it, it is a rational love. It goes way over the line. You just, you know, you, you only see things through one lens. So I do understand it, but <laughs> there is not some, there is, I, I promise you, there is not some movement of reporters going, yes, let's get the Lakers. It's not happening, but I'm sure I could, I could say that all day and, People believe what they want to believe. Yeah, okay. If we were to aggregate you saying that there is nobody out there to get the Lakers, we would be called fake news in and of itself in reporting that there is no such thing. So that's just kind of how that goes. I want to kind of go back. You guys are are in closer proximity to the mob, so be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to go to to free agency here. And and as you said, you know, Kevin Durant, Kawhi, Kyrie, uh, those guys are going to get all the attention. I, I. you were the first person really here to say that you think there are some bargains that that are going to be out there. Do you think there's a benefit to just kind of waiting this out and let it, keeping your powder dry and going after value signings after people overspend on, you know, the Tobias Harris's, the, the Nikola Vucevic's, etc.? There might be, but I think 
you know, this Laker front office, like it or not, I think if you look at it objectively, their track record on that front is not great, not good. <laughs> so they're going to have to show us that they, I mean, if anybody should be great at value shopping, it should be the Lakers. When you get to that point where, where all the money's gone and it's a bunch of minimums and low dollar deals flying around, I, I would think if I have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on my team, that there would be guys that want to be a part of that and join that. So the Lakers should do well in that arena if it gets to that point. But last season, I think we all remember that roster construction did not go smoothly. So, I mean, like it or not, you know, the Lakers, I I feel like the Lakers have earned that skepticism and they're going to have to hush it. They're going to have to show us that they can make some, some good value buys here. But yes, I do think, I do think that opportunity is going to be there. And obviously there's no way to forecast names at this point. We just, yeah. Yeah. Because there, there, look, there's, there's even going to be overpays in, in the Patrick Beverly tier. I mean, you know, someone like Beverly is going to get so much interest. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he gets to the 15 million mark. So, I mean, there's that much money flashing around and there's that much need. So, did you, I can't tell you who's going. I can't tell you how it's going to shake out and who's going to be there, but I do think there are going to be some some useful players to be had. While we're kind of on the subject of the the last year's roster construction, obviously the big change in the front office was Magic resigning midseason in in a way that I I can't really ever recall happening before. But do you, when you talk to people around the league, do you, is there more confidence in the Lakers now that he's gone? Is there less confidence? Do, do do people have more of an idea of what what they might be doing? Do they think the Lakers are operating at a higher or lower level now that now that Magic is out of the picture? I think the consensus, again, if we could pull 29 other front offices, is that they gave up way, way, way Mm -hmm. too much for Anthony Day. It's the biggest price that's been paid pretty much for any superstar. But again, you will, I mean, you will find very smart and seasoned people around this league who say they got Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter. You know, that's all that, I mean, to me, I I don't see it that way. I just think it was way too much because ultimately they were going to get him. And, uh, you know, I think the Celtics were spooked enough that they were never going to bid on, on that level with the Lakers. But look, I've been, I've been pretty consistent in my position going with magic was a natural, was the natural move for Jeannie. That was the way to honor the Laker tradition they tried it. It didn't work. To me, it's a it's a under you, you get a mulligan, totally understandable. I get it. But now you have to do something drastically different. Yeah. You have to change the way the Lakers operate. And Rob Palinka is a very polarizing figure in this league. And they're gonna have to do a lot more than give up a ton of assets for Anthony Davis to change the narrative about the Laker front office, in my view. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. It was really frustrating to see the and and I thought you know we talked a little bit about people hearing what they wanted to hear, but that whole idea of the shadow executive and and somebody operating behind the scenes that the Lakers were getting ready to pull off this crazy hire, like I think that was just a matter of people wanting to believe that they were going to do 
what most people considered the smart thing and and then didn't you know and 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 they they wound up sticking with with Polinka Kurt Rambis enters the picture and and here we are uh it's it's been a fascinating just, just, just by comparison just just look at look at what the change in perception about the Pelicans beyond the moves yeah. they've made and look you win the lottery that's blind luck you know they getting Zion Williamson has nothing, you know, David Griffin cannot claim any, any part in that. It's luck. It's lottery luck. But just having Griffin there and the, and the, the smaller moves they've made and just how differently people look at the Pelicans in a span of two months by making a hire like that. And that's, I think what the Lakers could have done, you know, Philly wasn't successful, but last summer Philly tried to get Bob Myers and Daryl Morey. Why? Aren't the Lakers stacking up the highest possible pile of cash they can and going after a Bob Myers, an R.C. Buford, a Sam Presti, a Donnie Nelson in Dallas? Why not? Why not make, you know, maybe it doesn't work, but why not? You know, that's, to me, it's time for something drastically different that they need to do. And, you know, they feel, they they don't feel that way. They don't want to go, they don't want to go that route. All right, Mark, your, your time is really valuable this time of year. So I want to say again, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, the, I think the biggest Lakers podcast of CSUF alumni that has ever uh, happened. <laughs> and that's that's mostly due to your presence. But um, unless unless it. Mark has done his show with like Bruce Bowen, in, in which case that that takes precedent. Oh, uh, well, then uh, we, we, can get, we can keep going for another 10. This is, I'll give you guys the Titan bonus. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, this is we uh, I just have one more question to get you out of here on. And uh, it's a question we definitely ask all of our guests and not just you um but just report something that you haven't reported somewhere else uh so that we can aggregate it we're very shameless here this is a recurring this is a harrison question i I had nothing to do with this (laughs) yeah i i don't know that i have anything aggregatable at this hour um you know like i said i i've heard a rumbling or two that they will look into the brogdon situation i haven't you know, I don't, I haven't heard it strong enough to like tweet it out and throw it out guns blazing. But I think, I think he's somewhere in their thinking. Uh, it sounds like Russell is the preference, but that might also be because they know that getting Brogdon is, is tougher and the Bucks have a disposition of we're going to match anything that's reasonable because they just, they don't want to lose him. But you know, the Bucks, the Bucks are in a tough spot. I mean, they're, you know, that they're going to give Middleton some sort of five-year deal. They badly want to keep Brooke Lopez. So if there is a thorny offer sheet to Brogdon, it's going to be tough for them to deal with. I, they're worried about it. So, Okay, I lied. I do have one more question on the Russell stuff. Um, how legit do you think that that is? Because for me, it's like the machinations that the Lakers would have to go to to be able to create the cap space on June 6th. Like, the Nets would basically have to have already decided to sign Kyrie and then pretty much renounce Russell almost as a favor, right? Like, the, the timing there just to me makes that seem less than realistic. Like, how legit of a possibility do you think that that is? I mean, I haven't been told that this is as burning a possibility as it's been reported elsewhere. So I'm going to confess, maybe I'm not the best one to ask yeah. on this one. But I will say, let's just say it comes to fruition. It's not going to help the view of the Laker front office that they traded this guy away and now <laughs> are paying a huge premium to bring him back. Now, again, 
that might be painted as a Magic decision exclusively, since Magic was his biggest detractor. But again, that's that that that's not gonna that's not gonna help the perception of the way things are operating. It's it's fascinating there because on top of what you're talking about, there's also the 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 very real perception that the Lakers are so insulated, right? That that of course they would bring back D'Angelo Russell. That's one of the few players they had firsthand, you know, information on. Uh, the Brogdon one's interesting. I, I just that would be a, a move away, a detour away from how they've operated in years past, right? Mitch Kupchak was was adamant about not signing restricted free agents because of how long those decisions take to be made. Although, in, in as you said, those three days while you wait that out might mean might lead to more value on the other side of of whatever that. Decision decision might be and nobody likes restricted free agency the teams on you either know. side they all hate it but the reality is brogdon's a really good player at a position of of need and let me just ask you guys if 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 if, if russell and brogdon were the two and basically there was an equal chance at getting both wouldn't you prefer Brogdon to Russell? I think he would fit in easier as a third guy next to LeBron and AD than Russell would. That's just my inclination. So yeah, I, I think it's a ground ball that it's, that's at least worth running out and seeing, you know, seeing if there's any hope. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Brogdon being better on defense seems to really be that, that would, that would be the, the deciding factor for me. Uh, but like Harris, I would said, lean Russell. I think I'm just a little bit, but p- part of it is probably sentimentality. Like, yeah, it would be a fun story. No, look, Russell, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I'm lefty. I love lefties. And I, I said this with Simmons the other day as well, that I feel guilty. I've never, I've always had a hesitation with Russell. I, you know, I, I don't even have a great justification for it, but, you know, maybe I'm being too tough on the kid because he had a great season last year. There's, I mean, he what he made a massive leap forward. I do feel like his shooting would really help. Brockton's a good shooter. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, thank you very much for for hopping on with us. It was it was this was a lot of fun. It was an honor to have you on the show. Uh, I greatly we greatly appreciate it. Is there anything that you want to plug before we get you out of here? No, I, I'm. I, like I said, I'm short on uh, I'm short on just having quick uh, quick trigger surprises to to uncork on you guys. So uh, I'm sure that'll change as soon as we get yeah. off the podcast because that's always <laughs> how this goes. <laughs> uh, Don't worry, enjoy it. These are good times, boys. These are good times. Absolutely. That was Mark Stein of the New York Times. Thank you very much, Mark, for, for hopping on with us uh, during this crazy period. And uh, and yeah, best of luck moving forward through throughout this off season. All right, guys, be good. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick second here, pay a couple bills, and then when we come back, Harrison and I are going to react to the stuff that we just heard from from Mark Stein um, and and some other stories that are going on around the league. I made Harrison laugh about as hard as you can possibly make Harrison laugh. So get ready for that. We will uh, We will throw to that here in a bit on the other side of the break. Harrison, you had one job. Anthony, I'm just excuse me for trying to look out for the site and trying to I'm honestly like you have posts left to do today. I'm trying to save your job. You know, I have one post. 
I have one post or you have to write about like Kareem talking about um, like why Anthony Davis is good. You know, I would rather write about Kareem asking or, or talking about Anthony Davis than have you make Mark Stein like the the most lovable dude in all of basketball coverage. The people's you know. NBA insider. He is. <laughs> Mark Stein was incredible. I hope you guys really enjoyed that, by the way. And uh, Mark, just a heads up, I now have your number. I'm going to pepper you with with stuff. Sorry. Oh, that was a mistake. I'm sorry, Mark. So. Yeesh. All right, so let's uh, let's react though a little bit to what we were hearing about that. I think the the biggest thing to react to is the Lakers' interest in Malcolm Brogdon um, as a backup plan. As a, as a backup plan, I, I think that's also though like we we talked about the 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 machinations of having to sign D'Angelo Russell yeah. and how complicated that can get. This is also like similarly complicated because. You know, Milwaukee might want to get this done as quickly as possible, and the Lakers might not have time for him to be their backup plan. Well, no, it's not. I think it's less that. It's more of like if the Lakers, the Lakers are going to have max cap space. It's a very, very short window. Like they, because if yeah. this deal with Davis is going to get done on the sixth, then five days. like the Lakers have to sign the guy before they make this trade for Anthony Davis yeah. on that day. Which, like for me, Brogdon, sure, like he's actually like I, I didn't give him enough credit when we were talking with Mark. I went and looked up the numbers since we got off the phone. He's actually like he was really good last year. He was fifteen point six points per game. Yep. Shot forty two point six percent from three. Um, he's Ninety three percent from the from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean by that for that rule, he's probably not allowed on the Lakers. But um, <laughs> but like him, with, see with the, the thing with Russell is Russell Brooklyn might have an incentive to. Um, to renounce like him. to renounce Russell as a favor, kind of either to his agent or just to him as a show of goodwill. If they mm-hmm. end up signing Kyrie, like be and that, so that could maybe get done on that July sixth day. Milwaukee has no incentive to make it easier for Brogdon to leave to the Lakers, at least not that I can see. And there's always things that happen that we can't predict, but I, I think that that one would be a tough one. I I, I, don't, I don't know, know how. If- you- I don't know if it's so much incentive. It's, so, like, what's the difference between Milwaukee wanting to, you know, if 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 it's clear to them that Brogdon is going to be priced out, like, why not let him go get the the best offer that he can get? It has nothing to yeah, do with the maybe- Lakers. But maybe like they they don't think that they're going to be priced out. Maybe they think that if they eliminate the Lakers as a suitor, that they can hold on to him for less. I, I you know think what I mean? There are so many. There are going to be so many suitors of a twenty six year old point guard who shoots forty three percent from three from three and is is a good defender. That like it doesn't matter whether like how they feel about the Lakers' chances at, at landing him. I, I just think he's yeah. he's going to be in in such demand, and and really like you know Stein kind of alluded to Patrick Beverly along these same lines, right? That that the the point guards who can spread the floor and can defend like those he's kind are, of more of a. I mean, he he's not really a point guard. He's more of like a shooting guard. Like he's not going to be your floor general type he's, guy. He's a he's a three and D point guard. Yeah. Right, but I, I frankly, and, and Pete and I talk about this all the time on Locked On Lakers, which you can find everywhere that you can find podcasts, by the way. But you can, like, Pete and I talk about this all the time. I, I personally would value the the three and D point guard above the floor general point guard because the the NBA is a wing league anyway. 
give me a point guard who could defend and give me a point guard. No, who I, I 100% agree with that, especially on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Pete actually, for Laker Film Room, just put out a great video on Davis's guard skills. And I'm not saying that he's going to run point, but it's yeah. just the point is that he's a creator. And so you don't necessarily need that as much from your point guard, which is why it's going to make no sense when the Lakers resign Rajon Rondo, but um, <laughs> at least not basketball wise. Yeah. Um, I, do, do you have anything more to say on Brogdon? Because the other guy that I wanted to talk about a little bit and haven't really had an outlet to uh, this week is Russell. Yeah, no, I, I. So my last kind of thing on on Brogdon here is that injury, like foot injuries, kind of make me nervous. He missed, you know, six to eight weeks or so, uh, tearing his plantar fascia. I don't know. I, I mean, I'd have to talk to Jen about the lingering effects that that might have. Uh, you and I have both dealt with plantar fasciitis. I'm dealing with it right now. Yeah. Hardwood floors were so like, <laughs> I am so old and washed. I injured myself walking in my apartment. It just like is deteriorating my foot. Like <laughs> that's how fragile I am. I am yeah, literally, it's not, a, it's not a matter of age. It's a matter of, of, of softness. I Soft. am, I am the character that Samuel L. Jackson plays in unbreakable, who is the opposite <laughs> of unbreakable. Like Mr. Glass is very, very breakable. I didn't see that movie, but I understand the reference. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think that would be, you know, Russell has his own injury concerns as well, right? He was dinged up a little bit for the Lakers and, and all of those things. I think amazing honestly, that he stayed healthier once he uh, once he left. It's wild that, you know, a multi-billion dollar uh Look, Stein talked about it too. Stein talked about it too that that the Lakers needed a facelift and and opted to go the opposite direction. Hey, they got to to be fair. They brought back Judy Sito, who like does have a very good reputation yeah. league wide, and so we'll see if she can kind of turn things around. The question is the whether front. she would be whether her resume would be good enough to make her work for the Lakers if she never worked with Kobe. Like that's the question. That we can't that we can't say, but like, hey, if they get the right <laughs> candidate for the wrong reasons, it's still progress. I guess. You know? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. So you wanted to talk about Russell, though? Yes. I don't know. Like, you, you know, we t- we alluded to this a little bit with sign, but I didn't want to get too into the weeds with him on it. Um, the, the Russell stuff just from the outside. Like, again, this is not sourced. Um, I just to me. This reads like an agent sensing the market drying up and trying to use the Lakers as a threat to get his client paid somewhere. Mm -hmm. Because, like, all of a sudden, we're getting someone, you know, a reporter that does not typically link guys to the Lakers, especially not max free agents, has not made a habit of doing that this year, talking about how, you know, he's the Lakers' top target and he's a guy that the Lakers are going to go after and is, like, really someone that they want. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like Russell is a restricted free agent, so that like hurts his value. And is he? yeah, he is. Are you sure? Yes, that's why I was talking about that, like the complications and why like Brooklyn would have to renounce him. Yes, he's restricted right now. Okay, go ahead. They might renounce him if they sign Kyrie. That's what I mean. It's like a show of good faith. Like, hey, you know, like we aren't going to be able to afford you or we aren't going to bring you back. So we'll renounce you to a similar level of what the Lakers did with Randall last year, where they just decided that it wasn't going to be tenable for him to come back. So they tried to do right by him by renouncing him. Um, And so there could be a similar situation with Russell this summer. I don't know. To me, it's just like all these leaks, like you have to almost read behind the leaks and like, what do they mean? Why would someone want this out there? And if all of a sudden everyone's trumpeting D'Angelo Russell, of the Lakers, like what does that do to the other teams? What does that tell them? Oh, well, Russell might go somewhere for X amount of money. So we got to step our offer up, you know, like, yeah, and I, I mean, just want, like, it's this also is worth agent. pointing out. Like if we, if, if we were to, 
in in complete disclosure here, Woj shares an agent with with Russell, or not not an agent, well, but agency an agency agency. Yeah. And, yeah. and like the agent that reps Russell is famously Aaron Mintz. Lakers fans are well aware with him, or at least the ones that are very very dedicated. Uh, he is also Paul George's agent. He is also Julius Randle's agent. Mm-hmm. Like, what about those situations? Doesn't say to you like. Hey, this might be a guy that would be willing to catfish the Lakers on Russell through the media. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean. It's, it's like we've got something. a source clo- We've got sources close to Russell in those reports saying that he would be open to the return now that Magic's gone. Which, like, maybe, but yeah. maybe not. You know, you know who's a source close to Russell? Like that could be anyone, but right. you know who those usually are? Yeah, um, <laughs> and so. I just, to me, and like the fact that Brooklyn would basically have to renounce him for him to be an option if this trade is really going to go down on July 6th, because the if the Lakers want the cap space, I mean, Russell is a little different because maybe you could get him with the lesser cap space. So, you know, maybe you can extend that window a little bit and get, just get the trade with Brooklyn done or whatever. Um, but I'm not... I'm reading this more as a smokescreen, pay my guy type thing. And it doesn't necessarily rule Russell out, but just from the outside, that is how I'm taking these rumors. And I know that you have taken them differently and wrote an entire missive on what Russell coming back will mean to the Lakers. So, well, there, I mean, you agree, right? Yeah. Well, well, like, I mean, what do you agree? Disagree? Like, no, I actually, I, so, uh, I don't know if it necessarily comes down to agree or disagree, right? It's more that this is an angle that I don't think is necessarily being talked about enough, right? Yeah, I'm actually I'm mad that uh, Sean Mason is that how you pronounce his name? Mason? Yeah, Mason, uh, I think. Mason. Okay, yeah. uh, he brought it up on Twitter. I was planning on talking about this on the podcast today, and then he brought it up on Twitter this morning, yeah. and I was damn, he stole my thunder. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's something that people should be. I, I think aware of and realize that like these are factors and these are things that happen that go into free agency. There's like a reason names get connected places and things like that. And um, yeah, you just, you never know. Well, I mean, and, and look to the points that you were making earlier, the market has kind of sort of dried up for Russell, right? Yes. Like Utah, the Suns Utah made a trade for Mike Conley. Yeah. Yeah. The Suns would need to make some moves to really make him a realistic option. It doesn't seem like Brooklyn is torn. going to keep him because the, the the Suns reportedly are torn on on Russell in and of its like the, that organization itself is is torn on whether or not it makes sense to pair. Oh him well, with then Devin never Booker. mind. He's great. I, I actually the Lakers should go after him and do whatever it takes. If the Suns think he's bad, he's got to be amazing. Well, I, there uh, are people in the Suns who think he's bad, but yeah, but yeah. Okay. And I don't even um, know if it's necessarily to think he's bad. It's that like he, he and look, they should be skeptical about a pairing him with with Devin Booker. No defense like, would be played. None. There was, whatsoever. There was noise. I think last week about the Timberwolves and potentially trying to make it possible, but that just seems, you know, maybe they can figure it out, but I don't know. Well, did you see uh, the report today? Like right before you and I went live, some, somebody, oh man, I'm sorry that I'm blanking on your name, whoever reported this, but they reported that the, that Minnesota was trying to convince Brooklyn to sign and trade Russell for Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, that was an actual report. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Good luck, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I would um I would like to sign and trade my cat for Airbud too, but you know. <laughs> well, the hilarity in this isn't just Wiggins contract and stuff like that, but it's what would what that would mean for for what <laughs> Brooklyn you imagine could then Wiggins not do Kyrie on the same team. Well, Wiggins, remember, Kyrie, they're hoping that Kyrie convinces Durant to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. 
But if you sign, no, if you sign a trade based on Andrew Wiggins, the next Kevin Durant, promised <laughs> right. to work hard once he got paid. <laughs> so yeah, good luck, guys. That's oh man, I was not. I'm glad you made me aware of that. I was not aware that that was a rumor. That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, try the wolves. But <laughs> long story short, uh, that's kind of that's kind of where you know. Aaron Mintz does his work, have his work cut out for Russell. Russell probably went. Yeah, and again, this isn't agency. to say that maybe he wouldn't go back to the Lakers. Sometimes these things can be true and not true at the same time. It's yeah. like Schrodinger's free, free agent. Yeah. Um, you know, like maybe there is real interest. Like the, you, you can be interested in a lot of different things and, and not end up doing them. Like right. we all go through this when we go to restaurants, when we are looking for jobs, whatever it may be. Like you have lots of options that maybe you're interested, but how interested? And like, is it your first option, second option? And whatever, like all these things can be true and untrue at the same time. And that's why this is the dumbest time of year for the NBA, but also one of the most fun and weird and crazy. I really enjoy this. You don't seem to enjoy it as much, but this is my favorite time of the year. It is slowly sapping the life out of me, but um, <laughs> not as quickly. Your as foot, it is your foot is represent, oh. representing like how you feel about free agency as a whole. Yes. My at, foot is screaming out in agony. At least we won't be in in Vegas during the first few days of of free agency. Nope. That part of it isn't terrifying at all. (laughs) I'm going to be at a craps table and find out I have to aggregate from the craps table. Yeah. You're going to have to, like, crap a bunch of words out from the craps table. (laughs) Hey, well done. Uh, All right. So the other other tidbit that I found interesting uh, that that Stein talked about that I don't think, you know, it, it was a question that you and I didn't really plan on asking going into the interview, but... You know, what? what is the Lakers' perception before and after Magic Johnson? Uh, I, I think it's a fascinating subject. It's it's something that, you know, it's been interesting to watch. You and I have direct access to comments, uh, whether they be to, to tweets about what Magic is saying about D'Angelo Russell, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's in the posts themselves. People are really low on on Magic just as a as a a presence around the Lakers. It's it's been fascinating to watch that, and it seems to have kind of carried over to the league to a, to a certain extent. While also pointing out that the league seems to think that they overpaid for Anthony Davis, given the given the context under which that deal was done. Yeah, and I think that that's accurate. I think they did overpay for Anthony Davis yep. when considering the market. But I also think like sometimes you just have to do that. Like sometimes you have to overpay for things just to get them done if you're under time constraints. And like in a vacuum, they overpaid. But when you consider the context of like, you know, their need to build something around LeBron and make this contract yeah. worthwhile and do right by maybe the best player to ever play basketball. Like there, they had a need and that was the, that was the market. And David Griffin played that well. Um, and yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that Rob Polinka played it badly. Like this could work out. You can give up too much and have it work out. And this is what I maintained throughout this. Like you, they yeah, gave both up teams all these can assets, win this trade. But like, yeah. And like, I just like my, my stance because I've been trying to worry less um, just about things and stress and whatever. And like my stance is just like live life like you aren't even going to be there for that 2023 pick. Hey, you man, know what I mean? Warming, we're going to be gone like, here in like five years anyway. Like are you going to be sit- – like it, Sasha and I talked about this last week. Like are you going to be sitting there watching the Lakers this year and like when Anthony Davis dunks on someone for the 10th time that game, you're going to be like, oh, man, you know that 2023 draft pick, I'm really going to miss him. Like <laughs> – I might I might uh do some some YouTube searches for like seventh graders. <laughs> yeah, that's some what we should wild. do. We should start we should start just roasting middle schoolers right now and just be like, well this guy sucks. And like the Lakers don't need him. 
just go to middle school basketball games and just like <laughs> you think you're good well you're not anthony davis guess what anthony just bring anthony davis to a middle school and have him dunk <laughs> on kids to show how much better he is than them now if the lakers social te- social team was was given more freedom that would absolutely be incredible i feel like that would be some kind of Maybe. I feel like the league would not allow you to do that. Like <laughs> the there's, NBA there's cares. <laughs> yeah, there's like an NBA. We're just going to see an NBA cares vid, and it's just videos of guys like planting trees and whatever. And then there's one of just Anthony Davis just posterizing a seventh grader. <laughs> no, they're planting. They're planting the tree, and the and Anthony Davis dunks the tree into its hole on the seventh grader. <laughs> explodes on Boom. him. And he says, 2023 draft pick written on his. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to minimalize it. Like it matters. And they did overpay. I'm not like pooing that they did in a vacuum, but I just think that it could also still work out. It's like, we're going to be in Vegas in about a week from now. And you know, like sometimes you can gamble and it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And we just don't know yet. Like no one knows how this gamble is going to work out for the Lakers. And it is a gamble, but I think it's a smart one. And I think it's one that they had to make just like, you know, my my places of work sending me to Vegas in the first place is a gamble. It is a gamble. We don't know how Anthony that's going to go. Write anything in July. You know, we just don't know. I think last year I recorded one podcast while I was out there. I was like that. Oh. I was there for a week. That's really sad. All well, right. I wouldn't admit that. Yeah. Well, but the reason was I forgot my mic. Well, and also things were kind of wrapped up. Like, yeah, LeBron signed really quickly. Things were kind of wrapped up by Vegas last year. I don't think that we're going to be that lucky this year. I did more more good for my show off the air than than anything anyway so there yeah uh, david if you listened all the way to this last <laughs> minute of this podcast uh i is there anything else that you wanted to react to that that stein gave us i i do want to just absolutely hammer home how refreshing it is to hear him say man we don't know yeah I love it. Like it's, this is it's something so much better for us. It gets lost on TV, I think, because like TV producers in general, like and again, I've not worked with like high level TV producers yet because I haven't been on high level TV. But like from doing student TV, from like just hearing things about how it's run and like going taking broadcast classes, like they want you to be quick and concise. They do not want nuance. They just want you to answer the question quickly, directly, whatever. It's not like well, maybe, maybe not that kind of thing. It's just like say it. And yeah. so I think that that's part of the problem when yeah, you're car watching people like like reporters 20 times a day and asking them to say different things like this is the natural consequence of that. And that doesn't make anyone blameless, but it's just nice to just hear someone say, I don't know. And like, I think that's something that you and I try to do as well is like when we don't know, we don't know, you know, like, and and by the way, what this does is when Mark Stein does report something, when he does throw out, you know, a morsel of, of that he, you know, that we consider aggregatable or, or whatever, when he does tweet out something that he's hearing, it makes it mean more. Right. It, yeah. It, it makes it because it he's makes not just going to say stuff. Right. Yeah. It, it makes it, you know, he's not just going to hop out there and say, well, I'm I'm hearing that maybe something this and that and the other. When when Mark Stein says something, you know, generally speaking, it's it's a legitimate morsel of information that I mean, you saw I tried to entrap smarter. him into um into just giving us something yeah, to aggregate. Jackass, you know? what the hell? <laughs> you know, you just I, you just got to go it's for the it. The busiest sometimes. time of his year, and and we he was nice enough to hop on with us, and you tried to trap him. He's never coming yeah. back. You know that's what they uh, they they call this. Pod, that's what they call me on podcast, the bear trap. You know, <laughs> like I just like I get you on here, and it's like, uh, yeah, 
it's, I'm it's, a hard I'm a hard nosed interviewer. I do not let these things slide. I ask the important questions like, "Can you please give us content?" I don't know anything right now. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, Stein was incredible. And, I appreciate and, him taking that well. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very nice and, and amicable to to come on with us, uh, given the time of year that it is. So thank him very much for that, Harrison. And thank I, you, Cal State Fullerton, because without that, I don't think that uh, yeah, that show would have just happened. So yeah, you know, probably shouts not. to our college. Probably not. Hashtag tusks up. Is it tusks up or tusk? It's tusk, tusk. Up, right? Yeah. yeah. And then our mascot is Tuffy the Titan, who is uh, transcends gender. Tuffy does not have a gender, there and there's no one inside the suit. <laughs> That's an inside joke. That m- nope, one person. No, yeah, like gets. nobody's gonna get that. I was basically I was re- I can talk about that. I was yeah, I was it. reporting out a story like a number of years ago on the mascot, and I had a marketing person at the time. I was asking them questions about like when can I talk to one of the toughies? What's it like? Like I want to do a story on what it's like to be a mascot. And this person dead ass looked me in the eyes and was like, "There is no one inside the suit." There you go. Yeah, it's a ghost. Tuffy is Tuffy. No, he's just like a giant plush creature come to life. But anyway, shouts to Cal State Fullerton. Tuffy Um, is the original Ted. What? What? Tuffy is the original Ted. I don't know. Oh, Ted, like the the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, I love Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you very much again to Mark Stein for hopping on with us. This was a lot of fun. it's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy next few days as we get ready for free agency. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel. We are back to doing daily shows. So tune in tomorrow when our hosts try to figure out what, what new information we are going to be responding to and reacting to. Uh, have a great rest of your day, and, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.